Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Ben and Chris Talk Sports. I'm Chris. And I'm Ben. And we are here to bring you our opinions on the news, notes, and happenings from around the world of sports. Although, let's be honest, this time of year, it's pretty much from around the world of the NFL. But that's okay, because it's good stuff. On this episode, episode 104, we have uh, a lot of NFL news. Uh, NFL is attempting to increase diversity amongst NFL front offices again. Uh, we like the idea, but think this method may backfire. We'll explain why. Uh, Kyler Murray, I mean, if you've seen any highlights over the past four or five days, <laughs> you know exactly where we're going with this. Uh, Drew Brees, looks like he's going to miss miss some time. Uh, avoided very serious injury, though. We'll get into that. And, of course, Banker Tank, as well as an update on our 2020 season awards. But first, 2020 season awards for baseball. We're going to go over this real quick. Over the past couple weeks, they've kind of been trickling out here and there. And we have... Uh, you want to read some off? Yeah, I'll read off the uh, the AL. So we got Jose Abreu taking it for the uh, White Sox, the AL MVP. Shane Bieber for the Cleveland Indians taking it uh, taking the Cy Young Award. We got Kyle Lewis of the Seattle Mariners taking Rookie of the Year and Manager of the Year. No surprise, Kevin Cash for the Tampa Bay Rays. Yeah, despite his little hiccup in the World Series, he 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 that was a well deserved award. Yeah, he's he was the best manager in AL. Um. I'm glad to see Jose Abreu get it. I mean, a long time coming, deserved it. I'm intrigued that Shane Bieber, as young as he is, he got that award, uh, especially with the unanimous, little, unanimous, yes, unanimous, and 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 even with that little little hiccup during the season, uh, where him and Clevenger, wasn't it Bieber? No, who was it? Clevenger and uh, Plesac. Ah, Plesac, that's right. My apologies, Shane. Um, you're on a first name basis now. We are. You accused you the guy of breaking COVID a, protocol, and now you're on a first name basis. First name basis with everybody that's on my on my my guys. Everybody's my, your guys. Everybody's my guys. I've been over this. I got a lot of guys. Um, I'll leave that alone. I think Kevin Cash does absolutely deserve Manager of the Year. Uh, nobody else, in spite of what happened in the World Series, he got to this point. He navigated the season. A lot of difficult teams to face. And he came out on the end on top, at least in the AL. And I, I like I, li- I like the variance of, of awards here, of, of winners here. I don't know much about Kyle Lewis, but I'm sure in the next year or two, we're going to see a lot more of Kyle Lewis. Who do you got for the NL, Chris? NL MVP, the Braves' Freddie Freeman. Cy Young. Show favorite, Mr. Trevor Bauer himself of the Cincinnati Reds. How much longer, we don't know, but he was when he won the award. Milwaukee Brewers uh, relief pitcher, I believe, Devin Williams, won rookie of the year. And Miami Marlins coach or manager, sorry, wrong sport, manager, Don Mattingly, won manager of the year, became only the fifth person to ever win an MVP award in as a player and a coach of the year. So congratulations to them. I mean, I think uh, it's just to highlight Bauer. I mean, we talk a lot about Bauer on this show, and I mean, he's he's a very uh, uh, polarizing figure. You love him or you hate him. We happen to be big, big fans on this show, huge fans. Uh, but I mean, you, you kind of saw like 
the year he was traded to the Reds, you saw flashes of what he put together this year in Cleveland. And was it last year he was traded? Last year he was traded, yeah. It was last year. Okay. Was that, was that last, for some reason, I thought it was a year in between. Because he actually came out, I think it was the year before, and he stated that the Cleveland Indians would be smart to trade him. That's right. I know what it was. It was the year he hurt his finger. I'm thinking of the year he hurt his finger yeah. before the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, he's, you know, deserved it. Say what you want. Oh, a 60-game season. Okay, well, it was for everybody. Yeah. And everybody everybody had, had the chance to come out and play the same way. These players made the most of it, and congratulations to them. We're not going to spend too much time on this. Just wanted to, you know, didn't want to overlook it uh, because much like we stated with the World Series and everything else, yeah, it was a short season. Yeah, there's a lot of BS around it, but it was the same for everybody. 60 games, and you had the same opportunities. So you're on an even playing field, and these guys came out on top. So congratulations. Anything else on that before we move on to a litany of football topics? Now we can move on. All right. NFL. We like the NFL has a lot of good ideas. And they clearly do a lot of things right. And one thing they've tried to do over the past, I'd say what about decade and a half, two decades, is increase the number of uh minority coaches and uh front office uh, personnel. And it had the, like the Rooney Rule came into play, where if you were looking for a head coach, you had to you had to interview at least one person of color or so many people of color. Uh, and you know that's good because I I find it hard to believe that all the NFL not necessarily a racist thing, but I mean you kind of look at some of the situations where. You'll have a white coach come in who is not very good mm-hmm. and is getting their second or third opportunity, and you may have a black coach on another team, and it's like, why is this guy not getting a shot? Right. And I think that rule works to make sure people do get interviewed and people do get noticed. I think earlier in the year when they came out with their their, it was only a proposed rule change. It didn't pass. The proposed rule change of Teams, if they hired people uh, of of color, uh, and I'm not stuttering because I'm nervous about talking about it. I just don't know the the actual phrasing they used uh, because it's not just you know you have you have you know black coaches, Hispanic coaches, different cultural backgrounds, uh, just not white American dudes essentially. Um, so they would uh, give that team depending on the position of that coach, uh, a bump in, I think it was a third round draft pick or whatever that kind of failed because here's the thing. Then you're going to get people who may not necessarily um, be qualified for that job, despite their skin color, getting it because the team wants an advantage. Um, now you're not going to get a whole lot of real deep, uh, dark, uh, backroom dealings based on third round draft picks. But I mean, you could have people getting accused of that you could have a perfectly qualified candidate come in and say, well, they had to hire a black coach. They want to move up in that round. So that's why you're here. It's not based on your own merits. So I think some of the things they do uh, almost shoot themselves in the foot 
while they're trying to do a good thing, it doesn't come out that way. And I think this, I'm, I'm, I've been talking for a few minutes. I'm going to let you get into this other, this new proposed rule change. I think this is one of those things. It sounds good, but when you break it down, it's not going to help anybody. Yeah. So basically the plan rule, the plan uh, proposal is to award two third round pick, uh, two third round compensatory picks to the teams that have minority head coaches or general managers hired away from their organization. You say, what does that mean, Ben? That means I'll give you an example. Because this is the example that the, uh, and this is uh, sourced from ESPN.com. The writer is Adam Schefter. Uh, sourced from one executive. Uh, this situation was put on um, the article. If Brian Flores was hired by the Dolphins, the Patriots would receive two compensatory third round picks. And then that point is echoed in here on would the Miami Dolphins have done that had they known the Patriots would receive two third round picks. And also um, sources, this is again, Adam Schefter getting sources. A lot of, uh, Industry people were not pleased because they were not consulted about the plan and it was passed swiftly. So I think there's a lot, a lot of issues here with this. That is a great point um, by that exec, obviously not named, but unfortunately it's true. Uh, I don't see, and I gave you the point of Eric Bienemy. Eric Bienemy is the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs. You have to figure one of the front runners for at least one of the next couple head coach openings that come around. He should, I'm telling you, he should have got, we went over this last off season. He should have gotten one of those jobs. That being said, Denver Broncos, they let Vic Fangio go, which I don't think they will, but let's say they do. Would they hire Eric B to be their head coach? Knowing full well that Andy Reid is going to receive two, two, two compensatory third round picks. Right. It's like that. I get the idea of trying to to equal the playing field. I think, and I said this back uh, when the first plane was in uh, place, uh, the words of Lewis Riddick. Lewis Riddick, if you're familiar with him, former front office person, and he's currently on Monday Night Football. Yes. He said it's all about... actually good, too. (laughs) Yes. He's actually the only good one on there. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Yeah. He said it was all about networking. It's all about knowing the owners or if you're a head coach trying for a job, knowing the GMs. It's all about getting to know people so they're comfortable with you because this is one thing. One thing you have to realize if you're a GM or if you're an owner, you hire one of these individuals for those important roles. It sets the tempo for your franchise for the next minimum three years. And depending on the direction you go is whether or not, and unfortunately it's a business, how much money you make. And for the owners, that's important. Whether it's the majority owner or the minority owner. And I'm referring in that sense as the percentage Percentage, of of owning (laughs) the franchise. People are going to hear that and be like, wait, what? Mm -hmm. So, I get what they're doing. I agree. It's 
it's a nice thought, but you need to think it out even more. And you, and clearly they did not consult people. Um, because Adam Schefter's tapped into a lot of different sources. So he's not just going to throw stuff out there all without, without having backing. Yeah. Does he, he's, he's definitely uh, connected. Yes. So I would say for me, I would say hold off on this plan because you might, as you put, you might do more harm than good. Yeah. I think the intent is obviously to get more qualified candidates uh, of, you know, non-white heritage a chance. Uh, And that's fine. I personally just want the best people at each position. Right. Because that's going to make for the most entertaining game, a game that we both love to watch and have our entire lives, make for the most entertaining game, the best matchups, the best teams. That's what I want. Uh, I do understand what they're trying to do because, look, again, I'm not going back to, I think it it, it may or may not be, you're going to think whatever you're going to think. I'm not going to try to convince anybody. I'm not going to sit here and say it, it's a racial thing as to why some of these guys haven't gotten jobs. I think it might be a comfort level thing too. Some of these guys haven't had a head coaching job before, whereas some of these other coaches who come in and have on their third or fourth stint, yeah, maybe didn't do so good in the past, but there's a comfort level there with hiring that person. It's Your net- fan base recognizes them. It's the networking. Like, yeah. how, how did Joe Judge get his job? Special teams coordinator, and he was uh, in his last year with New England. He was a wide rec- he was a wide receivers coach as well. And before that, he was other doing position coaches and other on defense as right. well. And, and that was Bill Belichick getting him ready because Bill did the same thing when he was young. He was a special teams coordinator. He moved up to defensive coordinator. He did a lot of other uh, specialized jobs. It's all about networking. And, and Bill Belichick, believe it or not, has a great relationship with the Maras. And the Maras uh, are the, the owners of the New York Giants. So look at the connection there. That's where you need to get. That's that's kind of what teams need. So Andy Reid needs to be a champion for Eric Bianning. I am sure he is. A team needs to look at him and say, we're going to go all in. And I, I'm telling you, I Cleveland Indians, not Cleveland Indians, I have baseball in the brain, I don't know why. Cleveland Browns would have been an excellent opportunity for Eric Bianning. Disorganized. Yeah. No, it, it would have been. I mean, Eric Bieniemy, Robert Salas. I mean, these guys. There's no reason these guys shouldn't be head coaches right now. This isn't a matter of well, they're going to get jobs just because they're minorities. No, these are qualified, talented, intelligent people who could do the job. Again, I think it comes down to more than a racist thing. I think it comes down to, um, and like I said, people are going to agree or disagree with right. that. It's kind of they're going to feel they're going to feel. I think it comes down to as an owner. A comfort level. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can come in and you can say, um, I forgot who the old coach in uh, in Detroit for the Lions was before Patricia. Um, oh, man. Can't remember his name. I, I know who you're talking about. Um, He's on D coordinator somewhere. Yeah. But, I mean, no one's going to do that on that team the way it's structured. There's more problems on that team than just a head coach. Um. But, I mean, you can say to your team or your fan base, hey, we're going to go and we're going to bring in 
this guy, um, Robert Salas, who people know over the last couple of years much better now. But if you said that three years ago, people would have been like, who? who who's our head coach now? And it, it just they, – then they say Matt Patricia. And you go, okay, now maybe not necessarily a household name, but you can say – well, this was Bill Bel- a, Bill, a high-ranking Bill Belichick coordinator who was multiple-time uh, uh, Super Bowl champion. We're bringing him in to be our head coach. And by the way, he's going to bring in this philosophy and this person from New England, and we're going to build an entire new culture here. Do I think Robert Salas probably could have done better than Matt Patricia? Yeah, based on the intelligence level for the game that I've seen over the past few years? Yeah, probably. But if you're an owner of a team trying to convince your fan base when your team has been piss poor for the past two decades to fill your stadiums back when that sort of thing happened. Uh, it's a hard sell. And I think they need to find a way to award teams based on performance of said uh, executives or, or, or coaches or managers or whatever. And I don't know how it's going to be done. I haven't given that much thought. I'm kind of thinking about this on the fly. Instead of saying, if you hire a minority coach, you get X, Y, Z. Why not say, we're going to start grading every move that these front office guys make with the same analytics we do, the guys on the field. And that's where you can say, we're going to be able to affect compensatory picks. We can even affect uh, salary cap to a certain extent. So you're going to bring the best people in, regardless of background, color, experience, because you're going to want those extra bonuses based on how your unit as a whole performs. I don't know how they're going to do it. Yeah. I don't know how they're the analytics of it. I don't know how they're going to structure it. But if you could figure out something like that, then you would legitimately get the best minds in the best positions. And it wouldn't have to be anything about race. It would be, dude. Robert Sala should be the head coach of this team because of this. He can do this with these players. And, oh, we rank number one at this spot, so we get a $500,000 salary cap bump. You don't have to be the best team. It's not a matter of draft pick compensation necessarily. I mean, it could be to some extent, like I said, with compensatory picks. But it could even come down to, oh, man, well, the, the Washington football team, they're – Really, really not great this year. They're not playing well. I mean, they're better than I thought they would be. I'm just in, just an example. But man, their pass defense is top five. So even though they're not a great team, they're going to get a quarter million dollar bump in the salary cap because this unit did great based on the performance of the coordinators. And it wouldn't matter. Anything to do with skin, color, background, whatever. It would all come down to actual legitimate talent. I think it would be a cool thing to see. And it would be one more step in the, in the direction of analytics, which you're going anyways. It would be worth a shot. I don't know. I mean, again, I don't know the logistics of it. They'd have to figure that out. But I think rankings in, in, in certain uh, team units could go a long way to getting the best people in the game. Yeah, I mean, I just think there might be too many pitfalls there, but it's it's an idea to kind of vet and see if there's 
if there's anything to it. I just think for myself, it's all about networking. That's I'll I'll, I'll hammer that point in uh, because I think Lewis Riddick was on point when he said it. It's just connecting with different people in different positions so that instead of me coming to you uh, cold, even though I may have a great resume, but you don't know you don't know me. You don't know me as a person. Whereas someone else comes to that same person with a resume and has familiarity with the person and has had conversations and has people supporting him that that is well respected. I just think that's that's the gap that needs to be bridged. And I don't think there's any way to compensate people for it. It's just enforcing the Rooney rule is probably the best way to go just to say, hey, you need to seriously look at all candidates that are available. Can't just hire whomever you want. Which sounds ridiculous. I'm sorry. It does. Just like for me, when I was in a, uh, when I was a, a manager and someone, when my superiors would say, yeah, we're going to, you have a, a supervised position available, Ben, we're going to, we're going to put this person in. Like, well, why can't we interview, you know, three, four people, see who the candidates are, see who's the best for the position, see who's going to be. And maybe I was wrong at the selection, but at least there's an opportunity for different people to get opportunities at a position instead of just pick this person up. Oh, we're going to drop them in, forget everyone else. And nobody else is going to see an opportunity to move up. So that's, that's my perspective. And the head coach was Jim Coldwell. Coldwell, that's who it is. And I think he is a D coordinator uh, somewhere. I'm not hundred percent sure, but that's what I think. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. I mean, I'll just say this before we move on to uh, Kyler Murray and his imminent greatness. I, I think, you know, you're right. It is about networking, but I think a way to get networking and relationships built is um, there has to be some kind of incentive there. I think there does in order to get it to the point we want it to be where the best people for the job are, are in those positions. Uh, we've Human nature is to go with what you're comfortable with. We don't like to be uncomfortable. Like I said, if if you can say, "Oh, this unknown guy who's uh, you know, t- t- to the general public, been doing okay here and with the special teams unit, um, and, and the third place team in the NFC Central, uh, or wait, there is no NFC Central. That's NL. Think of baseball too, NFC South, whatever. Um, and no, I, I'm not. I'm not trying to be coy naming anybody. I don't know who that person is or who the third place team in the NFC South is currently right now. I'm just throwing something out there. If you couldn't tell by the fact they got the wrong sport. Uh, I mean, you could do that or you can say, hey, this guy who's been a head coach for 15 years could get it. it, There's a comfort level. And I think in order to break that, it's not just about relationships. It'd be great if as human beings, that's how we did things. But there needs to be some incentive before that can start. And I think doing something like I thought up, make it like an analytics thing could work out. I literally just thought of that as I was explaining it. That's mm-hmm. why I had pauses and stops and I'm just explaining it at that moment. That's, that's not a well thought out hashed out plan. That's a very rough outline, but I think it could work to some extent. 
I'm not saying a team's going to get a $20 million bump in the salary cap, but if you get a couple million here and there based on bringing in the best people and getting the highest rankings, you're going to inspire everybody on that team to be better. I don't know. Just me. Right, Although right. in twenty twenty, everyone gets a trophy no matter what. So right. I think I think we're just we're just gonna we're not differ on this. We're just we're we're slightly off different ways on it. And I just I'm personally I just don't see how compensation in any form is going to level the playing field. Well, because I, it's I been so up- it's been so level not having compensation for the past God knows how many years. Hmm? Doing nothing like that hasn't helped any. Either. Oh, I agree. So I, I agree. Just, I don't. Rules, I don't know the best way to do it. I think. I think we're both agreeing with that. We don't really know what the best way is, but I think the ruling rule was a good start. Oh I yeah, think enforcing for sure. it uh, even more is even better way to go. And just continuing to, and maybe the the, and I, I know this might sound a little crazy to the owners, but maybe some of them need to. I don't know. Move on because they might ha- have that mindset. Because a lot of the owners are what seventy. 80? Yeah, they're they're getting up there. They've so the mindset of been around the sun a few times, right? And the mindset of, of people in our age are, are, I would say, slightly different. Yeah, that's, that's an understatement. Sarcasm, there, folks. Um, so I think maybe there that's that's where the disconnect is. That's you know. Someone like, and I know, I know, I know he's a, we're a fan of the team, uh, Robert Kraft. I think he's an outlier. He's an exception. He's if if Bill Belichick moved on, I think he would open up to options across the board and see who the best person is. I don't think it's sure. just going to be Josh McDaniels, and then to a greater extent, I think Jonathan Kraft, if he had at some point had to take over, forbid something happened to Robert. Yes, first name basis again. I think he would be very open-minded to bringing in different, different ideas, different people to, to kind of move the franchise forward. But so maybe that's, and I, I know that it'd be scary to some owners to say, "Hey, maybe some of you need to move on." It's a thought. Yeah, but, maybe. But I mean, I think rather than trying to pry rightful property from people's hands, we should probably focus on just getting people to make smarter choices in hiring. But that's just me. Right, let's move on to Kyler Murray. I mean, it is because of that insane Hail Mary play. We're bringing him up, but not. It's just his entire body of work this year as a second year player. What he's done, how he's transformed that Cardinals offense. Yeah, he's looked shaky at times. He's a second year player and he's got some growing to do. But if he plays the way he's been playing and he still has room to improve. That is scary to anybody else in the league. I don't care how tall he is. I don't care about whatever they said about his arm strength. This kid can play, and he can play his ass off. <laughs> I think he put what do you any say? rumors I mean, to his lack of arm strength. That throw was not a full throw. No. That was that, was that baseball throw where you yeah. just kind of flick it out of your hand, and he just was like, 40, on the run, yards. one foot, yep. almost falling backwards, just and flicked, flicked it up. It. Yeah, flicked it up there. Oh, D hops out there somewhere. There you go. There you go. And D DeAndre Hopkins picking that ball out. Three guys draped on him. I'm sorry. And we're not talking about a, a schmuck defense here. This is a Bills secondary. These guys can play. Yeah. 
and they knew it was coming. And Hopkins still got it. I mean, I think what was it James? I think it was James Porter was just. I don't know if he was astonished or just, just lost in the moment of just how that happened, and and because it was insane. Because Josh Allen drove down the field literally like it was nothing on the Cardinals, on the Cardinals secondary, and it was Patrick Peterson, the great Patrick Peterson, who gave up the the touchdown to put the Bills in front on a fantastic throw by Josh Allen, a great catch by great catch and route by Stefan Diggs case in point, why they went and got him, and then almost instantaneously countered by the reason why the Arizona Cardinals went and fleeced the Houston Texans for Deandre Hopkins. Oh man. If you're, if you're, a, if you're a Texans fan, if you didn't throw something through your TV when that happened, I, I, I have more power to you. I mean, and I well, first of all, to, to your point on Stefan Diggs, uh, I was I was uncertain he would work out in Buffalo because he kind of hears certain things about players. Oh, he's a malcontent. Oh, he's not happy. Oh, he causes problems. Oh, he causes trouble. There must have been some reason he wasn't happy in Minnesota. I don't think it was because he was, you know, one A and one B with Adam Thielen. I don't think that was it. Something wasn't working for the guy, and he's come to Buffalo, and he's. I haven't seen him take any plays off. I haven't seen him not playing well, not playing hard. Oh, maybe a change of scenery is exactly what he needed. He's contributing to a very good offense with a great young quarterback. So I was not sure on him, and I'm pleasantly surprised that uh, it was. it's been a positive outcome so far. I think in, in, in the realm of Mahomes and Jackson, I think he, he's almost into that realm. I think he's just barely because they, they, both of them have MVP awards already. So that's understanding that Jackson got his in his second season, second season, and Patrick Mahomes got his in his second season. Could Kyler get his in his second season? It, it's not out of the realm of possibility. The guys put up 27 collective touchdowns. That's 17, 17 throwing and, and 10 running, which, by the way, that's – that's a dimension that that realistically only Jackson's putting on the field because Mahomes is trying to stay in the pocket because that's how their offense runs. It's entirely possible that he he inserts himself into this race, and he's going to have to because you got to remember that NFC West division is tight. Each game is going to matter, and we'll get to that later. Here's the thing I'll say, and I put down here on, on the rundown, it, Murray's not talked about in the same breath as uh, Mahomes and Jackson. Um, Not necessarily. I, I, I know Mahomes and Jackson are two very different style quarterbacks. Uh, but you brought up the point of they both won MVPs in their second season. They've both been seen as, you know, the future of the league. And I think uh, this, you know, this especially this past draft, you get guys like Burrow and Herbert and Tua, who's looked awesome since he came in. You're really seeing that young quarterback who can, you know, can get out of the pocket, can run. You get guys like Burrow and, and Herbert, who I think would prefer to throw, but are more than comfortable running as well. I think it kind of falls in the Mahomes category. He's a guy who'd like to stay in the pocket, but can certainly be mobile if he needs to be. Um, I don't think when it comes down to 
quarterback play anybody is in Mahomes' category right now. I think Lamar Jackson's going to visit that error from time to time based on his athletic ability. Think of anybody just in terms of how you could be consistent and overall quality of play could actually get close to being at Mahomes' level and staying there, it's Kyler Murray. Uh, I, You and I have had concerns about Jackson. Lamar Jackson's a great athlete, and I don't think he's just a running back who throws. He obviously can throw. But you see in this year he hasn't been as effective as he was last year. Now part of that is they broke up their tight end trio. They the running game isn't exactly the same. Ingram's been hurt. He's been banged up. Look, if the entirety of you being effective as an MVP caliber quarterback relies on your third string tight end, it's probably a pretty soft case. So I think the league's figured this kid out a bit. I don't think he's doomed. I don't think he's going to be a joke in a year by any means. I think he's going to be fine. He can adjust. He's smart. He's talented. He's athletic. But he doesn't have the arm Kyler has, doesn't have the accuracy. Kyler can move, and he's a small guy. He's shifty. He's a lot shiftier than Lamar as far as moving in and out of small spaces. When it comes to just being a freak athlete, Lamar's on a different level. The way he moved in and out, I mean, I think he dodged everyone on the Patriots defense during a few plays the other day. I mean, that guy is literally a video game come to life. But when you're talking about just special intangibles, being able to do it consistently. I, right now, if you gave me a choice and said, you have one of these two guys to start your team for the remainder of their career, do you take Kyler Murray? Do you take Lamar Jackson? It's no question. It's Kyler, hands down. The kid's just shown so much improvement. Now, we'll see. You know, that's the beauty of it. It gets to play out on the field, and we get to actually see the result. But right now, I got to say, right now, if you gave me a choice, based on what I've seen, any quarterback in the league, I can have him. Mahomes is one. Kyler's two. Based on the fact that he's doing all that he's doing at his age, there's still so many places he can improve and learn, and he's still putting up the numbers and performances he put up. That's incredible. I think I think the part I think the part that the the Baltimore Ravens and we we talked about the Baltimore Ravens front office how how they're building their franchise oh yeah intelligent would you agree that they've failed Lamar Jackson on one category wide receiver yeah. Yeah, and, and I mean, my, I, could, I could say that. And my point to that is because they had an opportunity, albeit in the first round, they chose Marquise Brown. And, and Marquise had a decent career at uh, Oklahoma. I'm pretty sure it was Oklahoma. I get Oklahoma and Bama players mixed up a lot. I'm sure they'll love that. I, I They absolutely do love that. Um and and this is the point we brought up about the Patriots and number thirty two Nikhil Harry. Yeah, um, as Patriots fans, we are we are well versed in the missing on wide receivers in the draft 
and I, <laughs> the conversation. And we're just looking at two. We're just looking at two of them. AJ Brown and, and DK Metcalf. And, and I know that's a well to keep going to, but they're both deep in the second round. Can you imagine if, and albeit we don't know the development level, what would have happened with, with Lamar Jackson as opposed to as opposed to um Russell Wilson? But factor this in. AJ Brown developed with Marcus Mariota and Ryan Tannehill, and he's at the point he's at right now. Could have could have been a better move to have an AJ Brown or a DK Metcalf as opposed to Marquise Brown. He's a little undersized. He's a fast receiver, but he doesn't seem like he's blowing up that uh, that secondary like he should, like a first round pick should. And I, that's the same case we make against Nikhil Harry. He's just not doing what a first round corner, first round wide receiver is supposed to do. And I think that's where. Where the problem is with Lamar Jackson and that Baltimore Ravens offense, as soon as Mark Ingram starts to deteriorate, whether it be age or injury, and right now it's injury. And I deep, think and, one caused the other, honestly. Right. And and J.K. Dobbins is not at that point yet to take over. And Gus Edwards and um, Justice Hill are nice pieces, but they're not Mark Ingram at his peak. And they're not the ceiling of J.K. Dobbins. And you now have an injury at tight end. And again, we brought the point that Hayden Hurst is not there anymore. There's a lot of factors going into this. And I think Kyler Murray, by the end of this season, is going to surpass Lamar Jackson on that that tree, that level. And it could just be Mahomes, Russ, and Kyler, and that's it. In that in that atmosphere, that tier one quarterback. Speaking of tier one quarterbacks, undoubtedly one of the greatest of all time, uh, all time leading passer. I uh, believe he has the lead still in touchdowns. Although him and Brady are going back and forth. Drew Brees knocked out of the game in the first or second quarter on Sunday. Took a really really big hit. You could tell he was hurt in a minute. He took a hit. Uh, he actually has a collapsed lung and several rib fractures. Uh, he's It says two to three weeks. I don't know how you have those injuries and you're only out two to three weeks. But I'm not a doctor also, so don't take, don't, you know, don't let my uh, uncertainty there persuade you one way or the other. Um, that was a scary hit. I mean, I, I think as a fan of the game, you, even if you're not a fan of the team, you can look at these guys who play at a high level and it's just like your fear with a guy Drew Brees' age is he has that injury that knocks him out. He doesn't get to go out on his terms. And it doesn't, that doesn't appear to be the case. You know, he's apparently in very good spirits. He'll be back. Uh, his team will be just fine. But now you have the tandem of Taysom Hill and Jameis Winston. I mean, it's not Drew Brees. It'll add a different element to of the offense. I'll say that much. All I'll say is 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 the New Orleans Saints are going to get their money worth with Taysom Hill finally. No, I'm going to call BS on that. You got to get your Taysom Hill. This isn't Carson Wentz, okay? I know. I never said he was Carson Wentz. This is a guy who goes out there every single time they need him to, need him to perform. He performs. He does exactly what they ask him to do. And I you're never, like, I never, this guy I never sucks. argue that. 
never argued that he does exactly what he's supposed to do for the whole five, six plays he's asked to go do it. Cool. So he's going to be able to participate in plays that coaches and put him in? That's not his fault. Okay. We're, we're, we're just never going to agree. No, on because I'm thinking with logic and you're thinking behind your weird sunglasses. I'll say for this. That for was this, uncalled for. The sunglasses not, are not weird. They're nice. But right. But I, I will say this and not to divert from the conversation. Because we're just never going to – we're never going to see eye to eye on Taysom Hill. So it is what it is. As I just, a great I man I once said. I don't understand it. Like he yeah, does I his job on the field. I don't like – and don't like that you're gonna pay him how much money you're you're who you, cares you have I'm thinking of uh, as a fan of the team you're financially putting money into a player that plays five to six plays a game gets a not significant amount of money but enough to affect the lower tier of your roster and you're just doing this so you have him for his, the little gadget plays. And as a punt protector, because that's the way you're going to justify his salaries. Oh, we're also going to put him on punt protecting because maybe once or twice a year, they're going to do a fake punt. And I just think your resources could be better made elsewhere. And they're going to know that starting next year, because if Drew Brees retires and they're going to go with Jameis Winston and Taysom Hill as their 1A and 1B, whatever you want to call it, and they're going to be millions of dollars in the hole because of the reasons why they paid Drew Brees. It's the same thing that happened with Tom Brady. And okay, so you're, in essence, taking out Drew Brees' dead cap space potentially next season on the fact that Taysom Hill does his job and does what they ask him to do. I'm equally putting my my disdain for the New Orleans Saints cap, cap management on Taysom Hill and Drew Brees. Equally. Maybe that's not fair to Taysom Hill. <laughs> no, it's not. But it's that's not. what I'm, I'm telling you right now. It's not. It's not at all. And it's a terrible. Ana- it's a terrible analogy. Oh no, these two backup quarterbacks are going to suffer when one of the all-time greats retires. No, yeah, I'm no not talking kidding. about the, the the players. I'm talking about the franchise well, and the yeah. fan, fan base is going to suffer because they're going to rely on their hopes on a guy who likes to throw as many touchdowns as interceptions and a guy who plays four to five game, four to five plays a game. And if you increase that, then what is that going to look like? Well, Mr. Hill, if you're listening, you go to your coach and you tell them, even though you've done your job effectively, and the reason you're able to is because of your scarcity of use, that Ben from Ben and Chris Talk Sports thinks they overpaid you yep. and would like them to use you more and become less effective that way, in essence, making him correct, that you go ahead and do that. So you, you get you know, you know get Sean Payton on the phone and Ben will tell him, Cut you. They don't need you. Let's overpay some backup linebacker instead. Be better off. Be better off. So my yeah. point about okay. the but about but to your greater point on on how they are going to be, and I think you um, articulated that point that they're going to be fine. I I think the based biggest, on their schedule too, right? So on your schedule and the fact that the a- NFC East is so horrible. And outside of the Green Bay Packers, the NFC North is just full of the same crap. They're going to be positioned whether or not, if even if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers put like three games in, in, in between them, they're still going to have a wild card spot. So it, it's they can survive 
three, four weeks without Drew Brees, and then he comes back and he, he gets a couple games. They get a couple wins. They roll into the playoffs. Maybe they're like the seventh, sixth seed, but that's fine. Yeah, because I, I, I tell you, I'd rather yeah, I'd rather uh, healthy Drew Brees and with the sixth or seventh seed yeah. than take a chance with him. Yeah, for sure. Um, or take take a chance and have him get hurt by putting him in too soon. And, and I'll put this scenario out here: the odds are in their favor if they do take a few losses of facing the winner, the winner of that god awful division. Oh, for sure. And here's the thing: their defense has played okay this year. They've been great at times. They've been suspect at times. Uh, we haven't seen the best of Michael Thomas by any stretch of the imagination. Emmanuel Sanders has picked it up. He's been okay. They still have Cook. Um, what's that? They still have Jared Cook. They still have Cook. Uh, obviously, one of the best offensive weapons in the game, Alvin Kamara. Um, Latavius Murray. I mean, you're not going to confuse him with Alvin Cook, but you know, being the the second of the one-two punch of Kamara, he's absolutely fine in his role. Uh, and you do. Despite, I'm not trying to get y'all riled up again, but you do have the trick plays with Taysom Hill that are effective. And look, without Drew Brees, they're going to be less effective because it's not that much of a change of pace. That's I, I give you that. Um, but I'm obviously not saying Jameis Winston is going to be Drew Brees. Let's not forget this guy threw for 30 plus touchdowns and 5,000 yards last season. Granted. He should have been a nominee for Defensive Player of the Year with as many turnovers as he caused. But, you know, he went out and he got the LASIK eye surgery, and he's going to get first-team reps now. Uh, it, it's possible this guy could be serviceable. And if he, <laughs> here's the thing. If he just comes out and wants to throw to Michael Thomas 15 times a game, that's exactly what Teddy Bridgewater did last year, and he worked himself into a nice little contract. Absolutely. So it's, if you have to be in a situation – it's not a bad. One. It's not a bad one to be in if you're if you're Jameis Winston. So it's, that's and then and that's exactly what he probably was thinking. It's like you know what? If I'm gonna be backup, I'm gonna be backup to a 40 plus yes. year old in a situation where I got some of the best weapons in the league. Yeah, it's not a bad. Just don't screw it up. And I think he signed through next year, right? Yeah, he had a two year deal, I believe. Yeah. So it may not it may not pay dividends next off season, but hey. It might pay down the road. You know, you never know. For, for Jameis, and Jameis is like 25, Yeah, he's 26. still crazy young. That's what people don't realize. He has like, got opportunity. Absolutely. A year and a half playing as the quarterback for the New Orleans Saints with those weapons because Kamara's already signed. Michael Thomas is signed. Jared Cook, I think, still has another year. You bring in a, a Latavius Murray type if you need to replace him. And Manny Sanders probably has – the rest of this year, maybe another year. You bring in some wily vets that want to have one shot. Hey, you, who knows what might happen? I just think they'll. I think they'll be okay because, like I said, the landscape of the NFC, yeah, outside of the NFC West, is just god awful. And if it had to happen for them, probably the best time to happen with this run in their schedule. Two of the next three weeks, they play the Falcons. We've been playing better, but their defense is atrocious and their offense is inconsistent. And I think the Saints, the Saints are going to be just fine. Um, well, let's move on to our next segment. We did this earlier in the year. We had our way too early uh, award predictions, and we're going to revisit that. We did, I believe, I want to say after week four. 
and yeah, I think so. I think it was after week four, and obviously now after week ten, we're going to revisit that and we'll we'll do it again after the regular season uh, concludes. Maybe we'll do it before week seventeen. We'll see. We haven't we haven't really hashed that out yet, but we'll we'll do it again. Revisit that before the awards are actually announced. Uh, I gotta say, I of the five that I picked, we did offensive, uh, defensive. Players of the Year, mm-hmm. Offensive Defensive Rookie of the Year, and MVP. Of my five, I only changed two. Of your five, how many did you change? <clears throat> All five. Including some to my original picks. That is correct. Yes. So, if you want, folks, <laughs> if you want to know the voice of reason on this show... And who you should believe, especially you know, look at Banker Tank, look at these numbers, and you'll you'll know clearly. Oh, do we really want to talk about Banker Tank this you'll week? You'll know clearly. It's a bloodbath. Yeah, but it's the same bloodbath we're all in because everybody, right. everybody was two and four. We'll get to that later, though. All right, so we're not going to go too crazy deep diving on these like we did in the original um, original segment. A minute or two each, kind of explain unless we agree, then we'll have a little conversation. Where do you want to start? Well, we'll start uh, at the bottom and work our way top. Uh, defensive rookie of the year. Okay, who you got? Uh, we're, um, we're we're on the same page now, Patrick Queen. Oh yeah, you're you're you came to my page. I, I, I did, yeah. I did. Well, Chase Young has not stepped up. I mean, he's part of a good defense, but he sure. hasn't he hasn't put those stats that you need. And honestly, Antoine Winfield Jr. is starting to rise up for the secondary for the Buccaneers. Yeah, I almost picked him. Honestly, he, he's. I I we know what I like. I like a person that gets a lot of stats. And that's why I went with Patrick Queen because he's he's covering the whole gamut like my former pick was and is no longer doing. But in fairness to a Chase Young, uh, it's really hard for defensive linemen to get those stats if, if they're not used in just the right way. Right. So it's not necessarily that he's had a poor performance. It's just the numbers aren't there. And let's right. face it, when it comes to these awards, more often than not, it's numbers-based. And he's he's his stat is strictly stats. So if he's not getting, if he's not collecting them like he, like a premier pass rusher is going to, then it's going to be hard for him. All right, yeah, I mean this kid, I just you know, I guess I'm not going to rehash it all. He's, <laughs> I thought about Winfield, I had to stick with Queen. He he just looks like he belongs on the football field. It also belongs in that Ravens jersey because you know they've had a good linebacker or two throughout their history. I mean. Plays, yeah, almost four eighty percent of snaps. It's a lot as a rookie. That's a lot. Can for tackle, rookie. can rush, can hit to the quarterback. Had a fumble recovery for a touchdown. He keeps developing at this pace. Could be one of the best linebackers in the game. I think that's why Baltimore chose him. But they did. They they saw that. Um. Yeah. So comes the defensive rookie of the year. We are in agreement. Patrick Queen of the Baltimore Ravens. What next? Uh, defensive player of the year. I'm going to go Miles Garrett. He's leading the league in sacks. I think it's nine and a half. He's part of a surprisingly disruptive Cleveland Browns defense. And they're six and three. And I think a lot of that is to do with two things. The defense playing up to the level that they're Baker playing. Baker Mayfield, no. And Baker Mayfield not having to worry about – I'm trying not to make Odell Beckham Jr. look like the bad guy. The team looks a lot more efficient yeah. with Nick Chubb, 
with versatility, Kareem Hunt, and then obviously having David Njoku and Jarvis Landry, it's just a lot cleaner. It's a lot. Your boy from Michigan, People's Jones, you don't look too bad either. I. Sh- you had a couple of couple of decent young receivers in Cleveland that are able to oh. get open and get the ball because you don't have Odell throwing a tantrum because he's not getting 15 looks a game. And and this, and this is again, this is where my bias comes against me because I look at Donovan People Jones. All I saw of him was deep, uh, deep, deep go routes that he never connected on and punt returning. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, okay, um, that's all he's going to be in the pros. He's starting to show something. Yeah, so, yes, he uh, is. You know, you you. You can you can admonish me for my my bias, but sometimes it does go against me. And you you point out Chase Chase Vinovich every time, and I I'm still on that boat. I'm not, I'm not 100 sure, but I've, what I've seen it doesn't convince me. But that's because I I watch him a lot at uh, Michigan. Well, just to be clear, I just said I think he's a better player than he was credit right. for. I don't I don't think Chase Vinovich is the second coming of Reggie White. I just think he's in the right yeah. role can be a very effective piece. I'm going to go my original pick, T.J. Watt of the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's one of the most disruptive forces in the league. Um, I mean, some players you look at and you say he's he's that good because of the system. He needs all that talent around him to be who he is. Uh, I don't believe Watt is one of those players. He makes people around him better based on his talent. Uh, he's second behind Miles Garrett in sacks, mm-hmm. tied with Aaron Donald with nine. Garrett has nine and a half. Um, 30 tackles, not as high as a lot of star linebackers because he does blitz a lot. Um, he does lead the league in tackles for a loss, however, so he's disruptive behind the line of scrimmage, not only sacking the quarterback, but whoever has the ball back there, whether it be an end around with a, with a receiver or running back, this guy is doing the Watt name proud. This he, he, he ain't embarrassing JJ down there in Houston. He's this, this, this guy is legit and he's, I thought he should have won this award last year, even right. over Gilmore. But I think he gets it this year. This is this is the guy that uh the Steelers drafted with Bud Dupree. Like this is what Bud Dupree was supposed to be and hasn't. And he won't he won't get a new contract. I I'd almost guarantee he's not gonna get a new contract. Right, because they're gonna have to pay Watt. Right, because they have <laughs> to pay, Watt pay Dupree because too. Watt is not covering a lot, which is fine. And that's the same thing about the Bud Dupree. He didn't he doesn't cover a lot. Which is fine, if you're getting to the quarterback and you're getting right. stuffs, you're getting tackles for losses, and you're getting sacks, and to a lesser degree, force fumbles. If you're getting those, it's fine. But unfortunately, and I, I I don't want to. I'm, I'm trying not to trash Bud Dupree too much, but I think that franchise tag was a mistake by the Steelers. And I do have actually Miles one, TJ two. And uh, Donald three. So th- this is a tight race. This is going to go to yeah. the end of the season. Three really, really talented players who honestly could be a toss-up by the time the year is over, but I'm, I'm going to stick with Watt. All right, what do you do next? Offensive Rookie of the Year. I think we agree on this one. Offensive Rookie of the Year. I, I believe we do, yes, Mr. Right. Uh, Joe, Mr. Burrow. Joe Burrow. Yes. Number one overall pick for a reason. I mean. it's It's tight, <laughs> though. It is. Um, I, I originally, well, this is one of my two changes. I originally I picked James Robinson. I believe you did as well. Yeah. Um, but Burrow has just played so well. I know they only have two wins. They should have at least four the way they've played. A couple last-second freak losses. Um, you know, Justin Herbert knows how he feels there. I think the, the Chargers have found every way to lose possible. 
Uh, I struggled. I almost went with Herbert. I didn't because I believe... First of all, I think this is going to go down as one of the best QB draft classes ever. It's quite possible. I, 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 I at this next point, year. At this point. Right. I contend I know next year, but yeah, this is you're, you're 100% correct. I know it's way too early to tell with other course of the career, but all we can do is go on what we've seen so far. Based on what we've seen from Tua, kid looks legit. Based on what we've seen from Herbert, looks legit. Based on what we've seen from Burrow, franchise caliber, number one, top five in the league style quarterback. And we haven't seen Jordan Love yet. Yeah. I don't, we don't know what he's going to uh, be, but we haven't seen Jordan Love or Jalen Hurts. Yeah, so we could we could potentially have – we have three very good. We have one that I believe will be, I mean, Hall of Fame status at least. And we could have up to five that are – wow, would you look at them go? That is quite a draft class. One of the only reasons I didn't go with Herbert over Burrow. Herbert's stats are more touchdowns. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has one more interception than Burrow. Herbert got a better situation. Um, I could argue not only the defense was better. I mean, granted, injuries have really decimated that Chargers defense. The defense was better. Uh, the offense had more pieces already. And he kind of stepped in and kind of just took over for Phillip Rivers. I know technically it was, you know... Um, Tyra Taylor. Taylor, but Rivers left to draft um, Herbert. I went with Burrow because, number one, you just there's just something about the kid. You watch him in the pocket. You watch him move around. You watch him play. You watch how he handles every situation. It's nothing that Herbert did wrong, and I get it. It's everything Burrow's done right. And, by the way, he's almost matched all of Herbert's stats while getting sacked exactly twice as much. So he's trying to do all this, going into a far worse situation as an overall team, and he's still getting just about the same production. This kid's special, and the Bengals got the guy they were looking for. And, and, and again, I agree with you on the pick. I picked Joe as well. And I think they're put themselves in a position because they're probably going to pick at the top ten of the draft. And we'll get to that at some point in the future on, on where they're going to go when we see the actual spots they are going to pick. It puts them in a position, top 10 first-round pick, top 10 second-round pick, to kind of reinforce that team with more weapons, whether it be tight end, whether it be they get lucky and they get Jamar Chase from LSU to pair with Joe Burrow, who has a great relationship with them, and find themselves maybe another a cornerback and go into the – free agency and actually get good players in free agency because they're spending how much on AJ Green? Like 18, 18? million dollars. Yeah, that's that's 18 million dollars. That'll end. You want to talk about wasted taste some hell money. AJ Green 18 I mean, million. I don't get me started on <laughs> AJ Green. That that was We both said that when I how I don't know how they picked up that 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 yeah, that doesn't make any sense. I think it I think it affords a a great future. For the Cincinnati Bengals, it just depends on how they construct that future around Joe Burrow. I like what, believe it or not, I like what Justin Herbert's doing, which is a stunner because I was on the fence. I didn't think he was going to be bad. I didn't think he was going to be great. I just I wasn't sure. But I, I like what he's doing. And it's it's going to come down to those stats. It's going to come down to wins. It's just going to come down to which look looks better 
this year, Justin could pass him. Oh, it's possible. I just think Burrow's going to be the guy. And as far as I'm um, also, um, if you're a Bengals fan, you're feeling really good for the oh, first yeah. time in a long time about your future because you have a really good running back in Joe Mixon. You got a guy who looks to be a, a tremendously talented quarterback in Burrow. Two really good receivers already with Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins. I mean, that is, you know, a line that's not great but improved. That's you got a team with a with a few good chips and the right people in the right positions can could be competitive even in, in a very tough division even uh, even at the the division with with Baltimore <clears throat> Cleveland yeah and Pittsburgh and Pittsburgh and that's one of the reasons I picked Burrow too I didn't mention that but two of the top defenses in the, in the, the game are in the league he has to play them twice a year right and he's still doing all, I mean he didn't do great against either of them but he's a rookie give you know give him a break right, he's a rookie all right offensive Player of the year. Well, for that one, that is my other change of two. I originally had Alvin Kamara, uh, and it's nothing Kamara did wrong. He's been great. He's, I think, absolutely proved to anybody who doubted he may have had an injury last season that he absolutely did because came back healthy this year and he's killed it. Earned, definitely earning his contract. Uh, but right now, I got to go Kyler Murray. I agree. Kyler Murray is the only answer to this question. Yeah. I don't know anybody else who, from a pure overall offensive weapon standpoint, can compete with him right now. Dudes already has the, – the, the NFL record for uh, rushing touchdowns by a quarterback was Cam Newton at 14. We're going in. Uh, we're going into week 11. will be Murray's 10th game. He has uh, 10 touchdowns. 10 rushing touchdowns. 10. 17 passing. This kid's on pace for somewhere around 4,500 passing yards, 30-plus touchdowns. Could very well challenge the record Lamar set last year for overall rushing yards. Now, more than halfway to the season, he's just about halfway there. So we'd have to have a few big games, which he's more than capable of. He's about 600 yards or so off of that pace. And given some unforeseen change of game management, He's going to shatter Cam's 14 rushing touchdowns for our quarterback. You're talking about a guy who could legitimately be responsible for 50-plus touchdowns. Absolutely. Uh, <laughs> run the ball, can throw the ball, uh, is making better and better decisions every week. How how do you stop him? Well, there's I mean, a couple the, of teams the, that actually have stopped him. I don't mean how do you beat them. Right. Because Patrick Mahomes is unstoppable, and they lost earlier in the season, too not necessarily all just about that. How do you I, – I, I just – I don't know because the Bills, they should have won that game. Sure. And they know this. There's no reason a Hail Mary, no matter who the receiver is, no matter who the quarterback is, should work. You know it's coming, and you have everybody down there in the end zone. We're not talking about one of these little trick gadget plays where you, you do 15 laterals and you get lucky and get a seam up the sideline and, and you score. You know it's coming. No matter how talented the two parties involved are throwing and receiving, it should never work. And the guy throws off balance, off his back foot, running the opposite direction, across his body, 43 yards downfield to the triple-covered receiver. Like, there's no defense for that. There's no defense for some of the things this guy does. He's not even two full years into his career. He's still learning. He's still developing. And they're giving him every tool and resource to succeed. 
this guy is going to be in rarefied air really, really soon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He's got the weapons. Obviously, running back position could be fluid over the next year or two. But as far as wide receiver, I mean, he's got to he's going to have he has the one of the best, if not the best, although Devontae Adams would argue that. And rightfully so. Uh, he does have one of the best wide receivers in the league. He's got complimentary pieces on that team. It's just, it's again, it's Cliff Kingsbury came in and they installed an offense because as soon as he came in, he knew he was going to draft Kyler Murray. They were going to dump Josh Rosen. Thank you. And, and move on with Kyler Murray, install an offense that, that the league has started to see, but not to this degree. And I think they're just going to keep evolving this offense. They're going to keep integrating that college game and make it. So it's the only way to beat them is to keep them off the field. That's what they said about, that's what they say about Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. That's what they said about Tom Brady and Peyton Manning in their prime. It's like, how do you beat them? Keep them off the field, run the ball, run the ball, run the ball. Your objective, the entirety of the game is to make sure they don't have, they're not down by, by one score with the ball in their hands at the end of the game. That that's it. You want to make sure they're not in any position to beat you, and like you said, that's that's clock management and keeping them off the field. And I, I can't blame the Buffalo Bills offense in this one because no, no, they you can't you can't play the game to try to score with zero seconds left. You can't. You got to score when the opportunity arises. But the Buffalo Bills defense absolutely should have stopped that. There's no doubt. And I'm going to say this much. I know people are saying we're going to have our MVP picks in a minute. Mm -hmm. And, you know, those are what they are. Let's not sleep on the fact that if a couple of those guys slip and Josh Allen keeps playing the way he's playing, Josh Allen's in the MVP conversation. That kid has played outstanding this year. He's had a few, again, only been in the league a few years. He has room to grow and improve, but he is improving. And I always picked on his accuracy. He has... Still misses some, but, wow, he has improved that drastically from last season to this season. So if he keeps progressing, you're talking about another guy who is going to be a very special company. Yeah, he leads the league in in yards. Yeah. And his accuracy is 68.4%, which is up there with some of the best Absolutely. That's better than Mahomes. It's better than Mahomes. It's better than Brady. It's better than Joe Burrow, Jared Goff. Better than Deshaun Watson, so he's got room. A few to grow. of those don't belong in that conversation, but we'll. But hey, we don't know. We we know what Patrick Mahomes is. We kind of know the ascension of Lamar Jackson. We can kind of know the ascension of Kyler Murray. We don't know where the ceiling is for Josh Allen. We don't know where the floor is. We don't know if this is the true Josh Allen. And then when he gets to the big games, he just kind of turns into what he did against Houston. Was it Houston he fumbled? Oh, uh, last year? Yeah, it yeah. was Houston. Yeah. So, it'll be interesting. It will be interesting. MVP pick? You go first, sir. Well, I, I stuck with my original my original pick. I didn't change that at all. It's Patrick Mahomes. Uh, in case you haven't heard of him. Um, I mean, he's the undisputed leader of – that team without a doubt uh doesn't matter what the circumstances are or have been for that matter all game uh, they have a chance to win no matter what with this guy under center 
That's why they made him the highest paid player in American sports history. So whatever you think of that contract, I mean, they wanted to make sure they had him there and happy. Uh, he's like he's played in some bad weather games this year where he didn't have outstanding stats, and still led the offense down the field, made the right calls, put his pride aside for his you know his big numbers aside for the benefit of the team. Like I said, he's a proven leader. Despite all, despite all the fact that he didn't, you know, had some some bad weather games, he's still fifth in passing yards, third in touchdowns, completion percentage of sixty seven percent, roughly around there, a little under. Uh, oh yeah, and um, one interception, one pick, while being in the upper third of quarterbacks when it comes to pass attempts. This guy is so good, I can't even dislike him. Like I want to. I, I want to – I told myself as a Patriots fan who would just listen to people just gush over Tom Brady all the time that I could understand how fans of other teams would get really tired of that. Yeah, I was never going to turn into that guy who just disliked the player because so many other people uh, talked about him constantly. And I found myself with Mahomes being like, God, we get it. He's good. Yeah, But then you watch him play and you're like, I can't hate you. You're too good. Like, there's just, there's, it's not getting lucky. It's not, the refs love him. It's not, this guy is just so good. It's so, I don't even know how else to phrase it. He's a generational talent, if not every other generational talent. He could destroy every passing record we've ever seen. And I think he could be this effective. With mediocre receivers. Doesn't need to have Tyreek Hill. Doesn't need to have Mercole Hardman. Doesn't need to have Sammy Watkins, the six plays a year he plays. I think he probably, think Taysom Hill probably plays more than Sammy Watkins does. But <laughs> I, I don't know. It's his, it, it's Mahomes. Someone's got to take it from him. Good luck. So I, I had Russell Wilson. And I'm, 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 I'm shifting to Ben Roethlisberger. A couple reasons. Russ has had some missteps yeah. the past few weeks, taking some losses, not looking efficient. And I guess you could put it on the running game because Carson, of course, as we, as we discussed in the offseason, yep. as we discussed in the preseason, as we discussed early in the season, Late last season. Right. As we discussed around the trading deadline, that maybe they should have went out and got somebody. Who? Not sure. But somebody other than Homer, because Homer's not the answer to your your running back problem. And it's clear as day that they need a, a capable running back to run that offense. So I went with Ben Roethlisberger. I think partly because they're undefeated. And then he doesn't have the one interception that, that Patrick Mullins has. He has four, so he's a little ahead. Well, release him. I, I, I understand your position I mean, there. Patrick Mahomes is four times better. I, I understand your position. I'm just going to say no. No, I, I, I kid. I kid. Uh, I looked at Big Ben, too, honestly, for MVP. I really did. And, and I think it's it's – this is an indictment on Ben Roethlisberger's ability, and we, we discussed this early in the season as well, his ability to nurture and bring along these young receivers quickly. And I think 
You can point to Juju Smith-Schuster last season, where most of the season he didn't have Roethlisberger, and he didn't have the season he expected. And come in this season, they have, and, and James Washington was there last year. Deontay Johnson was there last year, although not to that role. And they brought in a young gentleman named Chase Claypool, who I, I continue to say looks exactly the, the body frame, the way he's being used is plexico burst. And now they're 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 deploying. He's a little more versatile. Who? Claypool. Okay. Yes, he's yeah, more versatile. I think so. But Nothing against plexico, but every time I see him, though, I yeah, see yeah. I see plexico burst. I just I see yeah I, I I know what you mean, but you watch him. He's so much more fluid with how he runs and moves. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Um, plexico could get a little stiff sometimes, but I just think the way they're deploying those four wide receivers. It's not incumbent on them to need to run the ball, which unfortunate for James Conner is not great. Um, and I just think it's all because Roethlisberger is able to dictate where the ball is going to go. He's utilizing all his weapons expertly. And I just I just have a hard time, even though they, have, they play in one of the toughest divisions and they're going to have some rough games down the road. Case in point, they had a rough game against the Dallas Cowboys, surprisingly. I just think they're going to they're, – they legit have a shot at going undefeated. And if you're Ben Roethlisberger, I've said this before under different circumstances, but he talked about retirement after dealing with the whole Le'Veon Bell and Antonio Brown situations. He was just done. He wasn't going to want to deal with it anymore. That was a few years ago. Yeah, Guy's out there looking like he hasn't missed a beat. I mean, you can tell about he moves. He's a little bit. He's, he's older, and he's not. You know, he's not going to leave the pocket nearly as much and try to run. Not that he. Not that he was ever Lamar Jackson, but he, he could move if he had to. With with this receiving core, and even a decent running game, this guy could play another two to three years. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you watch him out there. It looks like he wants to. Oh, and I apologize. And, Eric Ebron is also yeah. playing a huge role. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a great pickup on by them. I mean, that is a. That is a dangerous team that's going to be together for the next couple of years at least. Defense, offense, like Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh had a down year last year because of a lot of injuries. They're not going anywhere anytime soon. Nope, nope, nope. And they took advantage of their, I don't want to say high draft picks, but the higher than usual draft picks. And I think TJ Watt was somewhere in the middle, I want to say. Somewhere in the top 15, I believe. I'm not, don't quote, don't quote me. But they take advantage of their draft picks when they get them. Case in point, Chase Claypool, excellent pick, I believe second round pick. I just, I just like the way they're going with it, and I think, I think, as you say, Pat, it's Patrick Mahomes' award to lose. I think Ben Roethlisberger can just run away with this award as long as they continue their. Undefeated streak because I think it, it ties together because his stats are not eye popping and they don't they don't come to the same level of Patrick Mahomes they don't come to the same level as Russell Wilson or Kyler Murray. T.J. Watt was drafted thirtieth by Pittsburgh in two thousand seven. Rescind my statement, but regardless, um, no matter where they where they oh Devin Bush was a top pick. Okay. Uh, but, but, yeah. 
we understand they can draft no matter where they're Devin Bush would probably be I know he's one of our lists if he was still playing right now unfortunately but he'll come back next year he'll yes he will be back all right banker tank yes sir well not not you know I I didn't do worse than Ben no so, so far it's only been one week on the season was not a banner week for me uh I went two and two as did Ben as did a uh, two and four excuse me I, I pulled up the sheet and I'm seeing the twos and I don't know I just went two and two, two and four. As did uh, number one fan of the show Tammy went two and four as well. Uh, that I'm still you know the only one above 500 for the season. Yep, 33 and 27 overall. Ben is 25 and 35, and Tammy is 23 and 25. Um, yeah, not two and four all down the board. Not uh, not a not a stellar week. Uh, I came close on a few, but as we know, it doesn't count. And I think Tammy hit on one that was exact. Exact. So as we've discussed in the past, if it's exact, it goes in favor of whoever picked them. Whether it's bank or tank, doesn't matter. Yep. So exact means you've got it because you technically weren't wrong. Right. So, okay. On to week 11. Hopefully better for at least me. I'm going to go uh, bank is uh, Deshaun Watson. Damian Harris and, Traitor. Ty- and Tyler Lockett. So, so Damian, look, when they feed him the ball, and when I mean feed, I mean like 15-plus carries, he gets 100 yards. And I think this is what this is a game that they're going to do that because it's Houston. They have the worst rush defense in the league. And I have no doubt that they will feed him the ball because the way the offense worked against the Ravens with the surprise victory, I think they'll just continue that narrative of we're gonna we're a running team, we're going to run the ball, and as long as Damian Harris is healthy, because he did have to step out of the game a few times um, on uh, Sunday night, I think he's going to. I think we're looking at twenty plus carries, hundred fifty yards, and I see him getting the end zone. Because again, the Houston Texans defense is rush defense is bad. All right, I'm going to go with Kyler Murray, Derrick Henry, and Tyler Boyd. Uh, I know you might say, "Well, Kyler, you just saw how great he is." Well, that's really a risk, risk taking him the bank. Well, he has a 35.1 point projection against the 32nd ranked. Yeah, that's. There's only 32 teams, so it's the worst-ranked defense in the league in the Seattle Seahawks on Thursday night. Murray is going to – he's going to put up 50 in this scoring format. Yeah. Maybe not every league because, like we said, we, we go by – it is ESPN uh, fantasy projections, but it's our, our own personal league we're in. That's what we go by. So it's a 35.1-point projection. He's going to run all over that defense. He's going to throw all over that defense. I mean, it's it's thirty. He, he might have thirty five points by halftime. I support that. So, I support that hundred. Yeah, because you have him as your starter in our league. Yeah, correct. <laughs> I need to make the playoffs. You're not making the playoffs, buddy. Can I? Can, can I hope? Look, I feel bad because I told you after you have Kyler and DeAndre Hopkins, and I said I want this on record. I said I, I have the text. I message, said to folks. you about five minutes before. Yes. I said your only hope. Is a Kyler to DeAndre Hail Mary. And what happened? And when it happened, I texted you and I was 
you know, a couple expletives that we're not going to say. Yes. And you're like, dude, I have that. By the way, I have that documented. You said it before it happened. And unfortunately, it was still not enough, which surprised me. I looked at the score last night, and the person you were playing was able to pull ahead by about a point and a half. You know, you know, I don't want to bring up his name because it's the second time he's beaten me. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're kind, of, you're kind of lead punching bag this year, buddy. So. Oh, my God. Anyway. But, yeah. Um, Tank. Tank. So I'm going to go with Derek Carr, uh, Joe Mixon, and our favorite wide receiver, Amari Cooper. Oh, friend of the Tank segment, Amari Cooper. So as much as it's low-hanging fruit to go with Amari Cooper, I'm going to point out Joe Mixon. I think the Bengals' offense is shifting or has shifted to a passing offense, even though they gave Joe Mixon a nice chunk of change. And he is a stud running back. Um, with the time that he was away, they saw that Gio Bernard still has a great game in the passing game. And I think they just want to utilize all the weapons they have. And they have to manage Joe Mixon because – I know it's a scary thought, but maybe if they have a shot in the playoffs, if you got to keep Joe Mixon on the field. And I just don't think that offense is going to revolve starting now and in the future. It revolves around T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, and Joe Burrow, and, and any other receiver because it's, it's a passing offense. It's strictly a passing offense. Joe Burrow is putting up 300-yard games like, like it's backyard football. So – um, unfortunately, I think Joe's just gonna, and plus, I think it's his first game back from uh, injury. I think he, I think they had the bye week last week, but I think it's his first game back. So I don't see him getting that heavy use, and it's a seventeen point uh, projection for him against the Washington Redskins, Washington Football Team. Sorry, and it's not that's not a defense to sneeze at. That's a pretty tight defense. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> Who you got? I'm going to go with uh, Tom Brady, Aaron Jones, and Michael Thomas. I think two of those three are obvious why I chose them. Indy could stop just about anybody from running. Uh, I'm going to to highlight Tom Brady. Um, This is apparently what I I found out the third time I picked him to tank (laughs) this year. So apparently my bitterness is showing a little bit more than I thought it was. But this is honestly based on game plan. I don't think he's going to put up a monster performance against the Los Angeles Rams. Their secondary is too good. They're too good at rushing the passer. They're not going to be intimidated by the hodgepodge collection of running backs the Bucs have. It's it's not – it's not you're not intimidated by Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones catching the ball from the backfield. Can I ask you a question? Sure. Do you think there's a little edge, just a little, with some of those players that were there when they went to the Super Bowl? Uh, possibly. I think it'd be more towards the team itself and Belichick and the game plan because Brady didn't let him up. I mean, that was a 13 to three final. It's true. I mean, it wasn't, it, they, they really shut down the Pats offense, which wasn't great. Anyways, the Patriots won that game on defense. And thankfully for that, you know, three yes. to three final, because I won quite a bit of money on that football squares game. Uh, but I mean, uh, it's, it's, I, I just don't think this just reminds me of the going into the uh, the Saints game a few weeks ago. The Bucks came off a couple of really good games, and they had a primetime game. I believe this is Monday Night Football. They had a primetime game, and 
the Bucks laid an egg. They look terrible. They have looked, when they look good, they look unstoppable. And when they look bad, they look like the Jaguars could beat them. The Jets could have a chance. Well, not really. Let's not, let's not get crazy. Let's not go ridiculous. Um, but, I mean, yeah, they, they have looked very inconsistent at times. And the Rams are a defense that can pressure the quarterback. They can turn your ball over. They can shut down your best receiver. And I just, I, I, I don't know, man. They've been shaky at times against these really, really fast defenses that like to rush the passer. I don't think Brady is a great game. I'm not saying he gets shut down. But, I mean, you could be looking at a little over 200 yards passing, a touchdown pass maybe, probably a couple of picks. It's not going to be a banner today for him. Game of the week? Game of the week. I'm going with the Titans versus the Ravens. This is, believe it or not, this is playoff implications. There is an opportunity, believe it or not, if you if you look at the stats, or not stats, the uh, standings, they lo- the Ravens lose this game. They could be looking on the outside, looking in, in the playoffs. It's going to take a lot, I will admit. It takes a lot for them to get to that point. Uh, if the Browns keep winning, because they're facing the Eagles this weekend, so that <clears throat> should be a gimme win. And the Steelers keep rolling. They're looking at a wild card spot. And even if they go... And I know that there's still rumors whether or not they're going to go eight teams in each uh, division or each uh, conference. Well, it's only if they miss games, right? So if it's, I think it's, it's was it seven? Still seven. If they play all, if they play all sixteen. It's a seven team. So it it becomes worse if they only stay with seven because they might be on the outside looking in. It's quite possible, and I understand the Ravens are six and three right now. They need every win. This is like the, this is like the NFC West. You need every win you can get. So uh, it'll be interesting because the Titans, I think, will wrap up their division at some point, and that's the advantage they have is they have a bunch of crappy teams in their division that are not playing consistent football, whereas there's three teams in the AFC North that are just clicking on all cylinders. And to the point we made earlier, Joe Burrow and the Bengals are not to be, not to be messed with because they could put a hurting on you. If you t- if you sleep on them, yeah, they only have two wins, but they're not a, they're not a joke. They can yeah, they can do some damage. This this game is gonna have some implications, and it's week eleven. Well, here here's the thing too, and I'm not I'm not, I'm not trying to jump the gun because the Patriots have looked abysmal at points this year. They're four and five. If they beat a two and seven Texans team, they're five hundred. The Ravens can't figure out a way to win, and they looked like a very confused offense the other day. They can't find a way to win against Titans who have proved in the past they can run the ball against them and control the clock. You're talking about 5-5 five and five and 6-4. and four. Right. And then you're talking about a bad game here, a bad, a good game there. Patriots now have the tiebreaker over you. So if you're talking that last wild card spot, it could all be – this could all be a moot point if the right. Ravens go off and they rip off six straight wins. It doesn't really matter. They look like a team that's trying to find themselves. And this just goes to show you, you never know when the season starts how things are going to play out. Because I remember both of us sitting here going, I don't see a team on paper that can touch Baltimore, not even Kansas City. We got some flack, especially me, from some Chiefs fans. Right. 
about saying how much better Baltimore is going to be the team to beat. Baltimore is this, Baltimore is that. And they have immense talent. And they are a, a they have some fantastic young players. But they really need to reassess certain roles on that team to help Lamar, who's still trying to develop as a player, get the most out of himself and those around him. Right. I can go with the Chiefs and the Raiders. In Vegas, I keep wanting to say Oakland. Um, to play in Oakland, they went. They took the wrong flight. Uh, I mean, this is the only team so far to beat the Chiefs. Has been the Raiders. Uh, they didn't destroy them, but they they had them frustrated. Yeah, Mahomes didn't look like Mahomes. Uh, this is going to go one to two ways. It's going to be another great game, and you know, by the best team win. Or the Chiefs are going to go completely pissed off, scorched earth, and put up like 70. <laughs> like, I don't think that happens. I think I think the Vegas Raiders are a very good team. They're not. They, this wasn't a fluke win. They found a good formula to beat them. Whether they can do it again is a different story. Like I said, the Chiefs are a special kind of team right now. But it's going to be exciting. And last week I told you, Bills Cardinals, I'm going for two in a row. So you I did. think this could be this could be one of the better games of the week. Not quite going to be game of the year candidate like last week, but it's going to be a good one. I mean, I would put I would put that game. Why not? If we were if we were to do a tier list, I'd put that game last week right at the top. Yeah, that Bills Cardinals was the best game I've seen all year so far. Honestly, especially even if you didn't watch the whole game and you watched the last five minutes, last five minutes, you 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 saw. What two great teams are going to do. And that's playoff football right there. That's what you want to see. So many times this year we've seen great matchups. Like the Chiefs and Chiefs and Ravens was supposed to be the matchup of the, the matchup of the year. And it was the Chiefs ran away with it. You've seen so many letdowns when it came to games. Uh, the Buccaneers and the Saints that were supposed to be game of the week a few year, a few weeks ago. Nope. Ended up being a flop. This one lived up to the hype. All the great players made great plays. Came down to literally who made the last big play. Right. And that's you can't really ask him much more from two outstanding teams just throwing punches at each other. And I wouldn't necessarily be shocked if we see that matchup again at some point this year. I'm Maybe. not calling that, but it's possible. It's possible. It's possible. Those teams are both talented enough. And if you're unaware, folks, they don't play again in yeah. the regular season. I'm talking about so. a Super Bowl matchup if you yeah. can't put two and two together and get four. Okay. Well, I was but, just and I'm just Yeah, I'm just being – Sarcastic. That's my that's my role on this show. Oh, what am I the crazy, crazy person? Well, yeah. Okay, that's but fair. I mean, it's not necessarily your role. It's what you do. That's fair. All right. Anything else? Uh, I'm good. All right. You're gonna get out of here. Thank you very much for listening to episode 104. As I've stated, we do have a uh, special 100th uh, episode celebration best of show coming. Working on that, finding some clips. I haven't had as much time recently to do that as I would have liked, but I'm going to get that out to you. We'd rather have it take a couple extra weeks and be really good than just throw something out there. But if you have any questions about anything you heard on this episode or any of the previous 103, Ben and I would love to hear from you. And Ben, where can I get in touch with us? Well, you can hit us up on Twitter. That's at BCTSpod. You can hit us up on Facebook. That's Ben and Chris Talk Sports or our website bctspod.com again downloads are increasing seemingly every day every episode thank you so so much for that we greatly appreciate the support 
and ask that if you do enjoy the show, maybe leave a rating and a review and tell a friend, put them in our direction. We greatly appreciate that as well. For Ben, I am Chris. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and we'll see you right back here next Wednesday. Thank you.